Welcome to the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference podcast, presented by ESPN and 42 Analytics. This is Jessica Gelman, who along with Daryl Morey, co-founded and chair the conference with a fantastic group of MIT Sloan students each year. We are thrilled to announce the launch of this podcast network to add more avenues to grow awareness and innovation around analytics and sports. We are excited to make the panel discussions from our 2019 conference, which covers a wide range of sports and analytics topics available via podcast for the very first time. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the 2019 Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. My name is Jason Rayhout. I am a first year MBA student here at MIT Sloan, and it's my pleasure to introduce our panel, Changing the Game, How Advanced Data is Enhancing Broadcasts, presented by ESPN. Our panelists for today are Ariel Kelman, the VP of Worldwide Marketing for Amazon Web Services. We have Jason Benetti, a play-by-play -play announcer for ESPN. Doug White, Senior Director of Programming and Acquisitions for ESPN. Mike Petriello, a stats analyst for MLB. And Seth Walder, a sports analytics writer for ESPN. The panel will last for 45 minutes. We'll have 10 minutes at the end added on for Q&A. If you would like to ask a question, please submit them via Twitter using the hashtag enhancing broadcasts. With that, I'll turn it over to Seth after a short video plays. Thanks everybody for coming. We're really excited. We've got a great topic today. We're talking about uh, data enhanced alternate broadcasts. Uh, I was gonna say like, if you're wondering what that is, you just watched it, but you didn't. Um, and uh, it was, what we were about to see was clips of last year's StatCast broadcast, which was uh, on ESPN, the NL wildcard game. Uh, and it, it was a, a really sort of incredible moment. I, I work for ESPN, but I don't have anything to do with baseball. And I watched that game just like anybody else. Uh, and it, I was pretty blown away by the information that was coming across the screen. These guys were talking about advanced stuff, uh, but they did it in a way that really just enhanced the story of the game. They did it in a way that was easy to understand, it was informative, it was innovative, and it, and it was natural. Um, that's like a really easy opinion to have when they're sitting right next to you, uh, but I, I promise I did think that at the time. Uh, part of the reason we brought all these people here together is because all four of them, in some way, touched that game. We're going to talk about what worked there, where we're going, other sports, what's happening on E3 tonight. But I think it's important we start with kind of a, a broad and basic question. So Doug, I'm coming to you first. You were involved in the strategy of, of bringing this concept to life, talking specifically about the StatCast broadcast. Why do we do this? Well, um, you know, we're fortunate at ESPN to have, you know, leadership that really encouraged us to to innovate uh, and to engage our fans. And so that was our, our first thought. Um, you know, we, we wanted to do something different. You know, we're really lucky to have, you know, a coordinating producer on, on MLB like Phil Orleans, who's very forward thinking, always looking to, to figure out how we can, we can make the game fun for our fans. And so that was our premise going into there. You know, we, we, we're, we're all fans ourselves. And so, you know, we were talking about what we would like to see. Uh, and so that was really driving, you know, dr our driving force was, you know, leadership encouraging us to innovate, you know, having a team together, uh, working on the MLB property that really wanted to do something fun, uh, really wanted to do something to help, um, you know, make the telecast more engaging to our fans. Mike, it's like, let's say it's like five days before this broadcast. 
I know you've done some similar things, but this idea is basically new. How the heck are you preparing, and what, what are you guys doing and trying for in anticipation of that? Man, five days before the broadcast, I was preparing for five different teams, because <laughs> that was part of the issue. There were two playoff games the day before. We flew into Chicago and didn't actually know if we were going to Milwaukee the next day. Mm -hmm. So that was obviously a big part of it, but we were trying to you know, mix entertainment and education, really. Like, it's still a game. It's still an entertainment product. I would have approached it differently if it was for the people just in this room as opposed to the people watching uh, on ESPN2. And I found it interesting. It was sort of a, a tough needle to thread, I guess, yeah. because you know we're trying to make this super cool, like analytically focused broadcast without alienating people, but also knowing that at the same time on ESPN, there's a traditional broadcast, yeah. and you want to try to separate the two. Um, and I'm hopeful we did a decent job, and I really look at it as a, a proof of concept that this kind of show can work and be entertaining. So, and just because we didn't see the clips, the sort of, if you didn't watch the StatCast broadcast, you missed out, but uh, they were talking about just more advanced concepts that have been around in baseball, but aren't the type of things that you typically hear on broadcast. Things like, you know, outs above average in defense or um, stolen base probability, something that, that came up live during the game. Uh, Ariel, can you tell us how is AWS involved? Because you sure. see them on the screen during that broadcast, but what, sure. what's the yeah, role? I'll walk you through. I mean, one quick stat first. So there were, in that broadcast, there were um, nine unique sort of new advanced analytics visual integrations that were on screen 72 times in a broadcast. Just to give you a sense of you know, how much experimentation was going on. It doesn't typically happen in the game. So uh, where we get involved is we've been working with Major League Baseball for over four years now to, as a technology provider to help them with StatCast. And, and where we come in is after they gather all the telemetry data uh, from uh, the stadium, they send it up to the cloud and use AWS both as a platform to store it and distribute it to teams and, and media partners, but also to do advanced analytics, to do machine learning. And I think a good example of this is the stolen base probability, where um, we went and uh, worked with uh, the MLB StatCast team to help them build a machine learning model where we took uh, lots of historical data on uh, um, you know, stats such as the average pop time of catchers, how quick a first move is of pitchers, different runner speeds, and built a model that then the ESPN uh, production team could in real time feed in the leadoff distance and output a probability of if that person were to run at that moment, what's the probability they'd be safe? And so that's the kind of analytics. And what I thought was just so uh, amazing about this uh, uh, broadcast was that it was a um, you know, real-life beta test. When you have uh, linear TV, it's a, it's a one-size-fits-all value proposition. So everyone is naturally kind of conservative about trying things out. And this was just amazing in that it was a a playground to try things out, and then the feedback on Twitter was, was I, for me, the, the, the most fun part is to see what fans' reactions were. Yeah, the stolen base probability was amazing. Jason and I were talking earlier today. We've come a long way from just a guy steals a base. If he was safe, he had an amazing break. If he was out, didn't get off the base fast enough, and really incredible. And so kind of related to that, Jason, let me just ask you, you're a play-by-play -play guy. You do all sorts of sports. Do you do it differently when you're in the StatCast broadcast? Do you do it the same? What, what's going through your head? So uh, there are two components, I think, from my chair. Uh, basically, the foundation is that sports is stories. It's beginning, middle, end. It's personalities in large part. 
just like a movie in, in some ways. But what this StatCast broadcast allowed us to do is have more beginning, middle, end with stats. Uh, you didn't see on the clips, but there was a moment where Mike was talking about an outfielder and his, well, overall, the Rockies struggled in terms of outs above average in Major League Baseball this past year. And then there's this nice running grab in the right center field gap, and we get to show that the center fielder for the Rockies is good coming in and to his left toward right center field. That's a story, beginning, middle, end. It doesn't necessarily involve human emotion, but it can because it teaches you something about the person and what he's good at. So for me, as a storyteller, play-by-play -play announcer, this allows for more of that. And the other component is, it's freeing for me to have less to talk about that's just there on the screen because it is, because of rote. We do a lot of games at ESPN with the White Sox. I do their local telecasts as well. You have a game every day. So you're gonna have some stats that you do every day, and by definition, they're not always gonna be relevant to the situation that you're currently in, just because they're there. It takes off the shackles for somebody who's an extemporaneous speaker to have the ability to always tell a story with the numbers. What, the two things I'm most proud of in that telecast are our numbers were more relevant to the game on the whole than your typical telecast of any sport, I would say, across 100 or 1,000 telecasts. But the other thing that comes into play is the tone. We all here know how important data can be to every one of our undertakings. But I've watched it back a couple of times, and the credit in large part in terms of other than our production crew, Andy Jacobson and Jimmy Platt and everybody who worked on the show, our producer and director and, and Mike and Eduardo and me, but Mike's tone was so important because he didn't come off as somebody being <clears throat> condescending. Like he didn't come off as somebody with a bag of numbers that wanted to fling them at you. It was, hey, I love baseball. These numbers help me love baseball. Let's love baseball together. And that's where the human element doubles back in, which is, I think, why we end up playing the game and do something innovative. But it takes a conduit like Mike to do that. That's really well put. <laughs> we all love baseball together. You guys, I mean, I said I love the broadcast. I think you guys got positive feedback, right? I mean, like, what, what, what were you hearing after the game? What made it great? Um, I heard a lot we're of We're awesome. Let's just say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was yeah. saying, we check, are awesome. Checks in the middle. I just sort of feel like, you know, Eduardo Perez did an amazing job, and you guys hung around, I guess, too. You did fine. Uh, we were okay. I mean, <laughs> we agree. Listen, we... I mean, most of the people said, you know, hey, it helped to have the best play by play guy in baseball there. No, <laughs> I can tell you, it broke down, I think, into three different categories. One is like the new stuff, the new graphics, the new numbers, like Jason said, that, that tell the story maybe in a better way. Uh, the second thing was just not doing the old cliched stuff that you've seen a million times. People said, if you just didn't do that, I would have liked it. Uh, and then we were very fortunate that, you know, Jason and Eddie and I got along really well because I didn't really know them very well. Uh, and we just had a blast together. So I think you combine those three things and it was cool and it really showed, you know, this can work. And hopefully you're going to see more of this kind of like, you know, these graphics, these easy to understand things that tell you a story right away on more broadcasts in the future. Is it, you mentioned the, the, the no cliche thing, which is something I think that a lot of people talked about. Is the number, the fact that you have all these numbers at your disposal, 
Does that help you avoid that? Because you're still trying to fill what turned out to be like a five-hour five game. Hour game. <laughs> yeah, Can you, I just say before Mike jumps in, uh, we got to take this one day at a time. <laughs> we got to play all nine innings. <laughs> you got 110% still in you? Oh, oh, yeah. All the facets of the game worked really well. Yeah. A, I just got to thank our coaches. Fun. I really do. <laughs> So now he's like totally ruined. <laughs> to go back to something Jason said before, the whole point is to tell a story, right? Some of the old cliches and numbers either never made sense in the first place and just never got questioned, or maybe did for a previous version of baseball that doesn't really exist anymore. Because mm -hmm. if you think about how fast baseball has changed, it used to be you'd see a former player in the booth out of the game 10 years, 15 years, and you'd say, wow, the game's a lot different now. Now the game's different in the last 24 months, you know? And a lot of that's technology, sure, StatCast, but also the names you've been hearing like Rep Soto and Edratronic and all that stuff. The opener is a thing, shifts are a huge thing. And if you really want to explain to the viewer like why all this weird stuff is happening, like you have to be able to have a base understanding of that. And that is, I think, what I tried to bring and say, hey, baseball's kind of cool and also weird now, depending on how you look at it. Here's why this stuff is happening. And it may not work, but this is what the team is thinking. I think of this sort of a breakthrough moment for this concept. Uh, to me, at least, even as an like, analytics person, I thought this maybe we were years away from sort of getting this to be on screen, but, th but there it was. But it only happens still if, you know, if the audience totally buys in. Like, Doug, reaction-wise, did, did we get the audience that you thought we would? Did that, did that encourage what could be a future? We, we didn't know quite what quite to expect. Yeah. Um, kind of going into it, but, uh, but the reaction, you know, that we saw from the fans just in terms of the, the, um, the viewership was, was extremely positive. Um, you know, to me, it was like watching a, a great movie. You know, even though the game was long, it didn't feel that long yeah. because the, you know, the, the, the conversation, the, uh, you know, between our talent was so interesting. The information was so interesting. It made the game very easy to watch. It was, there, were, there were things that you don't, you don't typically hear. And we saw that, you know, as Ariel said, we, that's what we saw on social media, you know, how, how much fans were enjoying, you know, what they were seeing, you know, from the graphics, from, from uh, all the, the advanced data to the conversation uh, between our talent booth. It was, it was highly engaging. Um, and, and for me, it was, it was just a fun watch. For any of you, the, the balance that I think you guys have spoken about a little bit, right, you talk about you want advanced numbers on the screen, you want to be talking about them, but uh, you're not trying to throw it in people's faces necessarily. It has to make sense. Like, how do you, wh wh where is the line and what is the right thing yeah, to do? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, one of the things we've learned is, as a company's worked with um, both baseball, football, and with Formula One, and then all the different broadcast partners who you know, tell those stories in these large um, mediums. Uh, you know, we've found that the formula is exactly what we've been talking about here, that you people don't care about the numbers, they care about how they're used in a story, and that it requires a lot of hard work to figure out how to tell those in a widely accessible way. But if you do that, uh, which the team here did in, in a great way, uh, I think it showed that the appetite on, for, of fans for this type of, of more analytical approach, it was huge, way larger than I think many people expected, and I think this, um, you know, this broadcast was definitely noticed by uh, other sports, other, other media partners, and, you know, it's changed the conversations we've had over whether, you know, it's, you know, in the past there was a lot of discussion, do people want a different broadcast at all? And I think that just doesn't happen anymore. But it's not because 
the analytics were good, which they were good. It was that they were incorporated in a way that told a story that added value from a watching a baseball game perspective. And I think that is, that's the key part. I think we find quite often, and you can get jilted when you're jaded, when you're, when you're in it, but I think in TV or any media, you underestimate your audience at your own peril. And it takes some doing, it takes partnerships, and it takes risk-taking and programming, and it takes everybody in a building saying, let's go and do this and use it as a laboratory, essentially, and see what happens. But when you have that type of cohesion, you really, truly find out what the audience's appetite might be and what's available there. And I, it was fun for us to see that this all has not just an audience, because I think we knew that as baseball people and baseball fans, but it has the ability to transform the way we take in a game that we've just watched because it's been televised the same way for a long, long time. And that doesn't make it wrong, it just makes it something that's actionable to move somewhere else. Mike's on the broadcast. He's got some broadcasting experience, but you're a numbers guy, right? Is that fair to say? Uh, yes, I would say so. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of like, it's, it's not the traditional analyst that you're bringing in. So whenever you do that, it's a little bit of a risk. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to make you speak about yourself, so maybe for the other three, I mean like, the idea of having an analyst who is so familiar with the numbers that are being talked about, is that, is that like a key element of this concept. Do you, do you need that to make it work? I'm not going to talk about myself. Yeah. I mean, I've found that, that you absolutely do. And, and as, again, as we've looked at this across you know, three different sports and I think maybe seven different broadcasters, the, you know, having the play-by-play -play and the color uh, talent to be both like, bought in, but not just bought in, but like, excited at what we're doing and being a partner in how the stories are told is an absolute requirement. Um, and that, that's what we found, because if at the end of the day, if, again, is if it's not telling a story and it's not authentic, it's not going to be useful to the fans. I like the word you used, excited there, because you know, Eduardo's not here, so I don't want to speak for him, but he might think that half of what I say, I'm full of it, but it never came off that way in the air. He was always interested in engaging, and that like, kind of generated some conversation back and forth. And what I also think was cool about this is I've done these before, but from a studio, right. It's not the same. This, this is full credit to the ESPN people. We treated this like a real game. You know, we were there. We were in the booth. We got to go down and talk to the managers before. Uh, it was a regular baseball game just presented in a way that we thought was interesting and cool. And I think that made it a huge difference. It really, it was everything, I think. Real quick, why, why is it different? What makes it so different? Well, I mean, for Jason, obviously, you get more into the game. You know, being there, hearing the crowd, uh, you know, you got to talk to the manager. We were in the locker rooms. Uh, and then for me, just being able to see the field. You know, if I'm looking at a screen in New York somewhere, I don't know where the outfielders are necessarily. Right. So it's hard to kind of talk about, oh, this guy's playing 15 feet deeper than usual or whatever the case may be. Uh, and I had never done that from a park before. That was mm -hmm. a first for me. And that was just an enormous difference. And now it's like, I can't imagine going back and doing it the other way. Yeah. I think uh, to the point about tone one more time in a different way and why engagement and excitement is, is so important and what, it, what the ramifications are for the baseball people in our audience is that quite often anybody, some people who are analytics minded in baseball spend a lot of time arguing about the intricacies of analytics mm -hmm. with other baseball people. And I do think that sometimes if that energy were expended in just putting it out there, and letting the audience have those discussions with us, 
and let them figure out what works and what doesn't work. And I'm not saying you know, broad media should use all of these analytics, but the idea that we're all kind of in this together is very important and gets lost when people splinter into factions over whether or not the opener is a good idea or whatever it might be. We're all trying to make baseball better because we love the game. And if we can take on a micro level what people thought we did in the booth and blast that out to baseball as a group, I think we're all better off anyway. And it does change the audience that we're speaking to as well. And I think that that's what came through in the broadcast. There was, there was curiosity across the board in, in, the, in the booth. You know, with Eduardo, who's just curious by nature, you know, wanting to know what, what, the, what this meant, you know, the, the dialogue went back and forth. And that, and that just perpetuated itself throughout the entire conversation where each, I think each one of our talent, you know, our guys were, you know, working the game that day, they were all curious about what each other was saying. And, and, and that just spurred the conversation. We're going to get back to baseball in a second. And something a little different is happening tonight. One thing about the StatCast broadcast was that it was, in some ways, a manual process. You were deciding at what point you want to talk about which metric or what, what metrics are talking are uh, informing the certain storyline of the game at that moment, like the Charlie Blackman example. Um, tonight on E3, we're running what we're calling the full court press. It's a, uh, a thing that if the Clippers have been doing with court vision uh, a little bit involving second spectrum. Uh, it's more AR more augmented reality than, than what we saw uh, in the StatCast broadcast, and it's more automatic. Is there any chance we can play the second clip? Because it would give you a, a better sense. This is a tough one to describe. Ooh. How come theirs works? <laughs> So that gives you a little taste. It, this is a thing that's like fun as heck. I mean, if you, that last mode there is called mascot mode. And essentially, uh, you know, it'll blow up the screen with animations depending on what's happening on the court. It's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, there are two other modes in there. Uh, there's the, the shooting mode where essentially the numbers that were over each player's head is their chance to make a bucket if they shot right there, depending on uh, not just their position, but the, but the defenders and, and the entire game situation. And then the last mode is the coach mode, where it sort of diagrams the plays, tells you if there's a mismatch, what kind of pick and roll defense the, 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 uh, the team is playing. It's crazy, right? And so this is the kind of thing, like, firstly, tune in, E3 tonight, 10.30, Bucks Lakers. Uh, you can watch it. You can pick whichever mode you want, or you can have the broadcast with Zach Lowe and Kirk Goldsberry, Tom Thibodeau, Adam, Adam Amin, uh, calling the game. In a similar way to what you guys are, did, but also different, right? Like, this stuff is happening just on the screen. It's going on. Like, what changes from a broadcasting standpoint when, when that's happening and you don't have as much control over what, what, what's happening when? 
Sounds terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. I mean, we put a lot of effort into knowing kind of like exactly what we we're going to do for the first couple innings, yeah. and then the you know story started to tell itself, and you've obviously got to adapt uh, in real time. I don't know that that would work as well for baseball, I guess, just because it's not the same kind of flow of a game. Yeah. Some, who cares where the left fielder is sometimes? Uh, but it, it's interesting, and we're going to have some more things like that in the future, but not quite like that, I don't think. Yeah. I would ask that next time we do this, uh, Bill Walton be involved. <laughs> in one way or another, either he draws all of it, gets to narrate it, or has numbers over his head, which we get to choose from knowing him. Yeah. Yeah, just a, um, a couple interesting things. We've been Please. working with the, the second spectrum guys have been using us as a cloud platform for a while, so we've gotten to know them a bit. And it's just, it's really amazing what they're doing. But I think one of the interesting aspects of Court Vision is the configurability. Because you think about one of the challenges of, you know, putting these advanced stats in a standard broadcast, you got to pick when you're going to put them in and, you know, be frugal in how many times you do it, or do an alternate broadcast. But with these streaming services when you can have the fan go and decide either which mode they want to see, or you can imagine in a baseball game, it may be reasonable to see the speed the person's running at as something you know, is up all the time or not up all the time, as something that's configurable. You think kids are used to this on video games all the time. And so it, I think it shows a little bit of how you can uh, take some of the trade-offs that make it a challenge, the, the one-size-fits-all. And the other part is I, I believe that this configurable streaming approach, it's likely more talent friendly because you're, if you do it right, you're only putting things on the screen that will not interfere with the general uh, story that's being told and you're not asking the the play-by-play -play or, or color person to do an unnatural act to make the technology integration work. Yeah, the, that sync. It has to be done right. That's right. No, but, but that's fun for a play-by-play -play announcer, I think, and fun for an analyst as well, because you have the ability to make more salient points stick. I mean, that's what that's there for, is to have people, more people feel expert about what we're watching, whether they like stories of people emotionally or stories of numbers. You're just bringing more people in to care about the games that we all enjoy. So when you say it's more talent friendly, are you talking about that you could have this sort of customization and the... It, 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 in that it requires less advanced planning right. to figure out what are the points. So um, what some of these the production teams will do is say, okay, well, these uh, graphics packages we'll use if these moments come up in the game. And the moments maybe are more predictable in, in baseball than they are in football, but a lot of that planning is going on and if it's always available and it's more of the, the fan's decision, it takes some of the pressure of just sequencing all of this stuff out off of the, the production team and the talent. So is that the future? Well, I think it's, there's, there, uh, I think, you know, those are the, those are the two different, I think it, it's, it may be unique to the sport, um, but, uh, you know, those are the two, I think the differences when you, when you go from sport to sport, you know, you know I, I, is, is, you know, is, as we were just saying here, you know, I don't know if what we just saw for, you know, second, you know, the second spectrum technology would necessarily work in baseball. I think they're they're two different things. But you know, for for you know, in the baseball side, um, you know, there was a lot of discussion about what kind of information are we going to show? Where's the where, where is the information on the screen? Mm -hmm. How frequently are are we going to to put it up there? Uh, and, and you know, whereas what we're going to see tonight on the NBA side, it's always going to be there. It's 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 uh, it's a totally different 
application. Now, now there's actually a third way too, which is the idea of the second screen experience. And that if you think about having uh, your tablet, your phone, your laptop up while you're watching the game, I mean, people are obviously doing it with Twitter all the time right now, especially in basketball. But if you think about if you have a screen that's dedicated to stats and is synchronized with the broadcast, then it removes that constraint of not cluttering up the screen. I mean, I think a, a perfect example of this is the, you know, the, one of the things that the MLB StatCast team is working on is trying to think about how do we show better matchup data of the people in the bullpen against the people coming up in the lineup. And you know, it's fundamentally sort of a matrix, an Excel table type of thing, which is hard to put on any type of, of, of TV screen, whether it's configurable or not. But if you have that next to you, you imagine you have the people in the bullpen going across, the lineup in order with the people on the bench, green, yellow, red with the on-base percentages, that, like that type of data, you know, it's just one example of many where I think people, some people are really gonna gravitate to that. So there's sort of three strategies like that you, you've laid out. And I think the interesting thing about this topic is I'm not sure there's a clear winner for what happens going forward, but what do you guys think? Is it, is it sport by sport like you said, or do you think that as we, go, as we go over the next several years, that one of those concepts might dominate? Yeah, I, I still think it's, you know, it's, it's not a one size fit, fits all. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that may change, but uh, I think because, you know, each sport, you know, whatever sport discipline you're talking about, they all have their unique properties, their unique mm -hmm. characteristics um, to try and shoehorn them all into one, you know, one box, I think would be, would be tough. Um, so I think, I think it may develop to where, you know, each sport has something that's more conducive to it than, than the other. If we, if we think more long-term, right? Right now, these things, ex except for the second, second screen idea, these things are basically simulcasts, right? So yours was in a, in a, a second channel. The, the broadcast tonight will be in a second channel. The, the main broadcast is still available. Is the goal for these concepts, these, uh, the advanced metrics to, do we do this to experiment, to let them seep into the main broadcast? Will this eventually become the main broadcast? Like, you know, by the time Bryce Harper's in his final year of the Phillies and we're all old and wrinkly, why, why, what, is, what, what is happening on TV then? A little bit of both, I think. Yeah, okay. I mean, even right now, you know, there are no broadcasts that are as dedicated to it as ours was, but we are pushing out a lot of these metrics and graphics to a lot of the regular broadcast teams. So, for example, if you'd seen the clip, you would have seen this very cool color-coded uh, shift chart that shows how often does a batter hit the ball on each part of the field. We had that on, I don't know, 15, 20 different broadcasts last year because it's easy. It's visual. You don't really have to explain it that much. The level of interest and acceptance between the various broadcast crews is massive. You know, some of them are super into it and call me with questions, and some of them want nothing to do with it, which is fine. They all come from different backgrounds, ages, you name it. Um, so I think we're going to see more and more of that kind of slowly getting accepted, especially the stuff that's very easy to consume. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think you'll be able to. I think at, at some point in time, you know, the second screen experience may go away to where, you know, it, you now put control, the control in, into the viewer's hands to where they're able to, to literally decide which, which mode or which view they're going to get. Maybe you have more than one um, talent team calling the game so that, you know, a fan can actually choose, you know, which, what type of call they want to, they, they want to hear. Do they want to hear something that's more stat driven? Do they want to hear something that's more kind of general? Do they want to hear something that's more, you know, tailored to, to sports betting? You know, who, who knows? Yeah. They just want Jason Benetti. Yeah. That's all <laughs> they want. Here's my thing. 
I got into high school radio to avoid popularity contests, <laughs> right? TV is already enough of a popularity contest. Now you're going to give us real-time feedback on our own popularity contest. Wait, were you not watching Twitter during our game? No, I was. Well, there's, there's also, the, in Chord Vision, there's a new competitor to the, the broadcast teams, which is Sneaker Squeaks. Mm. They put a, an audio channel choice where you literally, there's mics on the court and hearing what it would sound like if you were courtside. Losing to shoe <laughs> is a top five fear of mine. That's, that's awesome, though. Yeah. I'd do that. If we were, let's talk baseball again for a second. That makes you guys happy. If we were to continue the StatCast broadcast concept, what, what are you building on? Uh, you know, what, what, can, what did you not do last time that, that, that you can do? Well, I guess we're building off of a decent start of goodwill, so that's a lot to live up to because it's all downhill from here. And we're working on uh, a lot of new metrics and new graphics, you know, some of them with Ariel and the Amazon team, uh, some of them on our own. And it's, it's kind of just continuing what we started because we got a pretty decent idea of what does work on broadcast and some stuff that doesn't. I mean, some of it is just too convoluted to get into in the 10 seconds or so if you have to explain something. Or some of it's we're just trying to get the graphics to be a little more fine-tuned where it doesn't even need explanation. Like, you get it right away. So, for example, this year, we're working on a way to show, like, you know, who is the best outfield route runner, you know, mm -hmm. who reacts the quickest, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's baseball. Those are baseball terms. You've just never been able to measure them before. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, the Amazon team is working on you know, improving the stolen base model and a bunch of other things. So just more, I think, more and finding out what works and going with that. Are there any shiny new toys coming uh, Yeah, I mean, Mike brought up some of them. I, I think one of the ones I thought it's interesting that the, the team's working on is shift effectiveness of being able to show as the you know, infielders are moving around how the batting average of the player would change depending on where they hit it. So going from kind of the static graphic to a more dynamic graphic as the players tend to move around. So I think that, that is an interesting one as well. But I think you brought up a good point is the sort of the, the, the highest bar to hit for an awesome integration is one that doesn't require, that a stat that, or a graphic that belongs on the primary broadcast and doesn't require any additional explanation. And it's hard. It's very it's hard. Those ones, that, that's I think why the, the, the shift one before was you know, so universally liked. It just kind of made sense. And, in some cases, you may talk about it if there's an interesting data point, but you don't have to. To, to, to that point, Jason, I know you feel strongly about the names of, of, of metrics. Like, is that, is that actually, does that really matter? I, I think it does. I mean, I, I think the name of something, if it's at its most accessible, will be repeatable by people. I, this is not to say I have any grand plans of what things should be named, but when you talk about wins above replacement war, by its name, it does not explain what it is. If you hear war, it's catchy because it's a word, but it doesn't explain on its own what it actually is. We were talking about OPS plus and how easy it is to use because 101 is 1% above the average and it's controlled for a number of things. That's great, but then having it named something that even further explains what it is, I, I do think that there is a gap slash niche that could be filled by somebody in the creative space away from the technology side or somebody who's even in the technology side 
to help us name these things so they're even more consumable. And, and what AWS and, and we've done and Mike's people and everything is graphically represented so it doesn't necessarily always need a name slash explanation. And it's less about our telecast and more about where advanced stats are going for the public consumption. I want that. I want that nomenclature person. You know how hard it is to name things? Like I know that expected weighted on base is an atrocious name. Nobody I'm sorry, wants what? expected weighted on base. Nobody wants to say ex woba. It's yeah, awful. No. <laughs> but the stat is super cool. It's really, really difficult to come up with interesting names uh, that are descriptive, like you said. Like I think sprint speed's a little bit better. Uh, catch probability kind of gets to the point pretty decently. It's really hard. We're kind of struggling with that on some new stuff right now. So the people who name hurricanes, where are they? <laughs> Naming winter storms. We, we talk about hurricanes like they're people, and they stick in our minds. Like growing up, you, you remember these natural disasters. We don't even want to remember these things. And we give them names so it sticks in our minds. And now these things we want to remember, uh, we don't necessarily have great handles to grab onto. You got any ideas? WRC plus, you want to just call it? Let's, Wanda? you know, like the missile defense thing from decades ago, we called it Star Wars. People remember that. <laughs> Why don't we name it after movies or people or Mike? <laughs> as, long as, they're all, as long as they're all in the Disney universe. Really? Yeah, that's like what that. I'm saying. But I, I, I'm being glib about it, but I actually mean it. I think yeah. the more excellent, like, the point of all of this is to make it better for the audience. Baseball needs to be captured by the people watching it. And we churn out such wonderful analytics, and, and everybody in this room understands that. And, and the more accessible it is in name or in the way it's presented is hugely important. And I think we undervalue it. I, I think that there's a, there's a group of consumers of this, of fans, who I think would be a, uh, uh, inclined to like these new statistics if they're explained, but they're in the medium of television. There often isn't time to explain it every time, and that for those sets of people, you know, they may be turned off the first time they see some weird-sounding thing versus something that is pl a plain English description of what it is, like catch probability. I mean, you know, it's not always easy. But, yeah, I mean, as a, pro right. as a program, you, you, you want to make it accessible to all to all levels of fans. Um, you know, you don't want to be too inside baseball when you know when when you have your, you know, your your announce booth, talking about what's what's going on. You want to make sure, um, you know, to Jason's point, you you want to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to feel included into what's what's being presented. I mean, just the fact that there's a term called inside baseball that's used around the world for everything that's means right. this this is like a, you know a really yeah. important thing to get right. Yeah, that's right. There's. We've talked about different sort of strategies of this idea of, a, of an alternate broadcast. There's, there's one more, which is sort of like the interactivity with fans. We've seen a little bit the, uh, the Wizards have done this, broadcast, this sort of gamifying broadcast. The AAF has actually done that with their second screen app. What is the value to doing that, to like basically creating a, a prediction game or some sort of interaction with fans through this kind of thing? I mean, for, for me on the program, it's viewership, it's ratings. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's, that's where our bread is, is buttered. Um, when you're dealing with advertisers, um, you know, our, or you know, our, our ad sales department trying to sell, you know, sponsorships and uh, things of that nature, that, that's key to us, to, to make sure that the eyeballs uh, and the engagement stays on the screen, um, keeping fans there, you know, for longer periods of time. Um, from that standpoint, you know, from my, from my standpoint, that's what, it's, that's what it's really all about. That's what's great about 
you know, these advanced telecasts is that you're hoping to, to make sure that people stay uh, involved and connected, engaged in, in, you know, in the broadcast, so. Is there an element, what, would that be weird as a broadcaster if there's like things going on like that? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it on. Let's yeah. try it. Like, if yeah. why not? Right? Like, if if there are, if there's a team willing to be creative, and get together and make something that's new, is that not what we got into? Like, don't we want to pioneer in some way? Let's come on. Let's try it. And also, with, with this may seem kind of tactical, but with 4K TV, there's enough resolution to have stuff going on on the side of the bottom that is rich and interactive without meaningfully you know, deteriorating the, the actual game. And people, people like to play games, they like to compete against their friends. Those games are naturally applicable to being financial in some betting future, and I think we're gonna see a lot of them. <laughs> okay, you, you touched on it, so we, we have, we have what is the, where does the relationship with gambling come in here? I mean, is that a future that could be involved in this process? I mean, if, if, it's interesting that um, we've worked with some of the companies that are looking at sports betting or doing sports betting, and the ex almost the exact same statistical analyses that a super fan would want to have are what the gamblers would want to have because it's about you know getting insight into outcomes. And so I think you know I, I think what we'll probably see first is a lot of the gamification, not for actual money, but for people uh, competing against their friends, competing for different types of virtual currency and you know different um, you know different platforms will take it in different ways. I'm going to get to audience questions in a second. Before I do, um, we've talked about baseball, we've talked about basketball, it's happening on, on our air tonight. What about other sports? I'm a football guy mostly, so I am dying for this to happen in football, right? Like Jason's got that energy, wants, wants it to happen, I want it to happen. What, what, what does that look like in football, do you think? In, um, yeah, in, in football, so we've worked with the NFL for a couple of years now, and it's mostly been to um, help uh, some of the broadcasters insert um, statistical analyses into certain parts of the game when it, it tells a story. So we worked with um, NBC Sunday Night Football um, this last year, and then ESPN to do studio analyses where you actually have more time to tell a rich story. And it's taking all the telemetry data and running machine learning models. And one of the things that we did that we found pretty interesting was catch probability that's very different than baseball catch probability, but you know, you have people giving qualitative opinions on how hard of a catch it was. Was it a good throw from the, from the quarterback or was it actually a really good catch from the receiver, but using a model that is trained on thousands and thousands of plays and taking into input, uh, how much pressure the quarterback was under, the separation between the defensive back and the wide receiver, even the weather, and then you know, to do things like calculate for the, the famous Odell Beckham catch that it was a 0.04% catch probability, meaning you should only expect a receiver to catch that four out of every thousand times. And um, you know, we think we're just scratching the surface of how to put that in football, but in football it's the exact same set of, you know, of challenges to work through as baseball or basketball, trying to figure out what's the right balance of adding value to the fan, not cluttering the broadcast, making sure that you're still telling a good story. Um, but you know, it's this—it's the telemetry data. There's just endless possibilities of what you can do with it. This is on your screen. You'll see—we'll show you some images of, of kind of what 
Ariel's talking about, things that uh, we've done and, and other broadcasts have done. Uh, actually, the one right now is, is what we call uh, the data center from our, our megacast. And this is, some, uh, this is sort of like the beginning of this concept, I think. It, you know, a few years back, and it was, I think, started just people manually entering stats. Like, we've come a long way from that to telling you live your chance to steal a base. Um, so, so that's pretty incredible. Um, Jason, just because you have got that football experience, are there things as a broadcaster that you want the audience to be able to see that, uh, that, they, that they cannot? It's, it's a really, I think, fairly simple concept for me. It's that stories driven by data and stories driven by emotion can get you to the same result in some ways as a viewer. There's room for both. But better stats are the idea, like more predictive slash descriptive stats are the idea. That we have stats so we can say this player is good or not. If it leads the analyst somewhere to explain that this is actually true, that it's less guesswork, you have more people engaged in the game and being able to say, I bet they're going to do this here and having a foundation for that. And I just think that means we have a larger audience. And also answering these questions people have, like, well, why was Todd Gurley not effective in the Super Bowl? And there's a lot of ways you could have opinions, and the answer could be in the data. It might not be, but, you know, for me, there, a lot of those, an those questions are going to be answerable if we put the right data in the hands of the broadcast teams. Yeah. That's, that's part of transition to a question from the audience. Um, <laughs> let me ask you guys. The question is, seems like baseball would be the most open to an analytics broadcast because the game is so advanced analytically. If the same concept was brought to football, would you have to worry about coaches being angry with their decision to run on first down, punt, not going for two, the idea of challenging those, those basic tenets of the game so frequently? That's happening anyway. Yeah. I think football coaches have come a long way. Like I, was, I had a Florida Atlantic game. Lane Kiffin is the coach at Florida Atlantic at this point. And, and, uh, he told us about his guy on the sideline who is his analytics guy. Like, coaches are using this. So I don't know that they're going to have a major issue with us using things. Like, they're going to get second-guessed anyway. It actually, I think, probably ends up making sports more innovative and willing to take strategic risks. You'd see fewer punts on fourth and one. You'd see fewer field goals in that iffy range. Like, I mean... Coaches would be able to say, I, I hear coaches all the time say, I punted because I didn't want to lose my job. Like some variation of that, coaches are making the decision because it's the conservative decision and that's the safest decision to have the most longevity. I think you can actually see a possible cause and effect of more analytics describing coach behavior leading to more risk-taking advanced coach behavior. Here's another question for the audience. This one, I think, Doug, is, is teed up for you. Do you worry about really splitting the audience when you essentially have a stats, advanced stats broadcast and no. a not advanced stats no, broadcast? No, no. We'd, we'd rather have you on one of our platforms than, than going somewhere else. Um, as long as, you know, for, for us on ESPN, as long as you're, you're engaged on one of our platforms, that's, that's good for us. We, we want you to be... We want you to be with us. Um, you know, we want to be able to reach you anywhere you are. You know, whether you're in front of your, 
you know, your, your big screen television in your house or you're at a wedding and you want to you wanna watch it, um, you know, or if you're at a bar and you want to have your phone in your hand while watching it up, uh, you know, up on the, on the screen, we just want to make sure that you're, we're, we're accessible to wherever you are. It doesn't matter where. This idea that we're talking about, data-enhanced alternate broadcast, what are the things that you guys don't know, that you feel like you don't have the answers about what's going to happen or what should happen? Well, if I knew the answers to what was going to happen, I'd have a different job, I think. Um, yeah, we can, we can try to predict and project what's going to happen. And, you know, obviously we don't know how that's going to work. I always kind of feel uncertain about how much the fan wants to know. Like, I go, I'm not a football guy, right? But I remember the Super Bowl a couple years ago when, you know, Patriots, Falcons, enormous comeback. And it showed the win probability. And it was like 99.2% or whatever. Yes. And that should tell you the story. Wow, this never, ever, ever happens. But I think a lot of people took it as, oh, that's broken. Like that does it 99.2% and it didn't happen. Blame Brian Burke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go over it and do exactly that. And that's not the right way to take it, but I do feel like that's still like a kind of a big hurdle for all of us in this. The, uh, we talked about football. Formula One, I think, is another place where AWS has had some, some inroads. What, what do you, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a racing guy, I think it's probably not a Yeah, I'm relatively new to the sport, but it's, it's been pretty interesting to watch. Um, there's so much data on the cars. You know, it's um, 120 sensors on the car with 1.1 million data points per second that are being gathered. And for years, the teams have been using this. And, um, and what we've been working on with, with Formula One is a little bit of a unique position where they actually produce a global TV feed that then goes out to a lot of places around the world, like, including ESPN, uh, is to try and figure out what, what um, stats derived from that data and what data points themselves are useful to fans to making the sport uh, easier to understand the story in the race and then also to make it more accessible to newer fans, let's say in the United States, we're looking for more people uh, to learn about it. And one of the things that we're working on uh, with the F1 team for this season is an overtake probability where if you think about, unlike NASCAR and F1, the cars don't pass each other that often. And when they do, that's often the main story uh, of the race. And so to take, to build a, um, uh, a machine learning model where they can input the distance between the, the, the two drivers, where they are in the course against historical factors. And as the cars are moving, you know, if there's, there's a, 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 you know, the, the, the battle's being decided between Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel of who's gonna win, and one of them's right behind the other, to see if, if Vettel's gonna go try and, and pass him on the left or the right, what's the probability of them being successful in passing in real time and seeing that changing? And so the hope is that can sort of make it more understandable to people, either why they were successful or why they didn't try to pass for another couple laps. I think what gets lost as we're talking about this, because we're so early in the stage of using this, and you've been doing it for a couple of years, and we just did our first StatCast telecast. Imagine in 20 years when you, like the Andrettis were all in racing together, right? I mean, Marco and Michael and Mario were three generations in IndyCar. Imagine when we have enough data to say, well, this is what the stats look like on dad passing somebody. You know, you can see the historical reference point, which develops a totally different story than we have right now, because it's so ad hoc. 
that now once you develop a historical backbone of this, you, you suddenly have a, a vast story. Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up. I think one of the more interesting things we'll see in the next couple of years is as the different sports start to go back to historical footage and sort of retrofit, if that's the right word, the telemetry data and apply it to the same analyses, we're gonna have all kinds of really interesting historical comparisons. Of course, people argue, you know, basketball was different back then, or the rules are different in football, obviously, for how receivers are treated um, and quarterbacks, but um, I think that's gonna open up one of the next big areas of analysis. The one thing that's sort of different, depending on the sport, is like, baseball has put a tremendous amount of resources into StatCast itself, the, le the league itself, it's a priority for it, right? NFL, that's, that's true as well, but then you also have media entities doing the analysis on top of that. I, I don't even know what the situation is in F1. What, like, is that, especially for you, Ariel, like, what's the difference when you have leagues running the sort of the machine learning that you're talking about and, and, and media entities? I think it's, it's different in each sport, and I think a lot of it, as you said, this is early, it's still being worked out. I mean, uh, Formula One's a little fundamentally different because they're the only people responsible for producing the feed that goes out to all the broadcast partners versus in you know, baseball and football, the, the broadcast partners, most of you guys know, you know, they're doing the broadcast and doing a lot of the integrations, and I, I think who does what and who takes responsibility for which piece, it, it's still being figured out. Question from the audience here is, we've touched on all of this, I think, but if you had to pick one thing, if it's uh, the graphics, uh, the talent, the, the depth of the information, what is the single most important aspect of integrating advanced metrics into broadcasts? That's a loaded question, because you got Jason and I sitting up here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but it's not, That's right. it's, you, it's the only way that telecast works is if we have Andy and Jimmy in the truck and Andrew doing graphics and everybody in the seat, in each seat, wants to do better than we used to. That, for me, that's the answer and I actually don't, I don't think there's any other answer. Mm -hmm. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> what are you guys most excited about for a thing that, or an idea that hasn't happened yet, something that could come across your TV that we have not seen? I know it's a broad question, but you know, people like, like Doug and Ariel, you guys are thinking about, about where we're going. What could happen that we're not even imagining yet? I mean, I think Ariel and I have talked about a lot of it for baseball. I mean, some of the cool stuff we're working on, I mean, some of it I expect to be ready this season, some of it's more conceptual. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, it's like, sometimes I'll watch a game and uh, the announcers will say something that I know is not really rooted in fact. Like, for me, a perfect bugaboo is, oh, this guy's two for three against this guy in his career. That means 666, he's going to crush him. Yeah. It's like, it's three plate appearances over 10 years. How do you know one of them, like, the left fielder didn't trip over himself? It's, like, totally meaningless. Um, so that's one of the ideas we've had is how do we put more meaning into that? You know, how do we look at guys against, like, similar fastballs that move in exactly the same way that he would see from this pitcher, that sort of thing. I don't think we're there yet, but that's definitely something we've been working on that I think could be really cool and replace something super flawed that you see on like every other broadcast. You know, I, I'm probably most excited about the, uh, the historical yeah. data, you know, to go, but I'd love to see what the, what the probability of success was of the Dave Roberts stolen base 2004 ALCS, or going and saying, well, the, what's the spin rate for Clayton Kershaw compared to Oral Hershiser? You know, the, there's all the people, so much excitement of fans and the media are debating this historical 
questions of who's better at this or who's better in general, and I think we'll see a lot of that. Last question here, because I'm seeing a flashing light from the audience here. How would you feel, put this as Jason, social media is integrated into the cast live? I know you, I know you were checking Twitter during the, during the inning break, so how would you feel if that were actually part of this alternate broadcast experience? You kind of already do. I mean, I, I, I like that idea. I, I grew up watching game shows which makes me even cooler than the high school radio thing. <laughs> but uh, we, like, uh, with the White Sox, we play games with the audience. Like, uh, when, when there was a rain delay last year, a bunch of people had tweeted in, like, hey, it's raining over by me. That's evidently a Midwest thing that people like to tell you if it's raining at their house. So we started playing hashtag, is it raining? And we made a list of places it was raining and places it wasn't. That's fun. Like, social media gives you an opportunity to feel what people are feeling. Uh, and, you know, if you want to block them, you get to block them. You don't have to show everybody. Or, or even live fan polls. Like, should this right. picture be taken out of the game? Right. Yeah, that's fun. And it's horrible for managers, but it's fun for <laughs> us. Yeah. Guys, uh, yeah, this is, this is, I'm getting quad zeros over here. So uh, <laughs> thank you guys all so much. It's been really fun. Really looking forward to what you all put together going forward. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. If you want to hear these panels in person next year on March 6th and 7th, 2020 in Boston, please register for the 14th annual MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference at sloansportsconference.com. This recording is the property of 42 Analytics and may not be published, broadcast, rewritten, or redistributed without the express written consent of 42 Analytics. Any opinions expressed by panelists are their own and do not represent the beliefs of the conference, 42 Analytics, or the MIT Sloan School of Management. 42 Analytics Educational, Inc. reserves all rights in the content.